This episode of the Nerdball Podcast is sponsored by Jake Paluski at Real JP Multimedia. He does the music for this podcast. He has produced this podcast. If you need anything audiovisual done, he is the man to see at realjp.com, R-E-E-L-J-P.com. You may have noticed my brand new logo. It was designed and created by Melanie at Cuttlefish Graphics. I was looking to rebrand my podcast, and Cuttlefish Graphics made the process so easy. The finished look of the logo and the professional files I received were amazing. On top of logos, Cuttlefish Graphics offers professional branding and websites. I could not be happier with the job that they did. To start your next project, email Melanie at CuttlefishGraphics.com. Mention you heard this ad on the Nerdball Podcast and receive a $50 discount on a new logo design. That's CuttlefishGraphics.com. C-U-T-T-L-E, FishGraphics.com. Let's start the show. Uh, I'm Noah Bauer. Uh, I'm a Pisces. I like long walks on the beach, uh, rom-coms, and uh, I'm a police officer currently. And uh, I've known Lorenzo for about five years now. We started off doing comedy together. And this is the Nerdball Podcast. This is the Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. Hard things. It's a little early to. It is, man. <laughs> I didn't sleep last night, so. No, nah. on a day off, man. You didn't even have to. It's it's weird, man. Some days, like I can sleep for six, seven hours. Other yeah. days, I mean, most of the time, I'm going on like two hours sleep. Yeah, because you work. Uh, you work a lot of nights. Yeah, is that I, all you I work? work. I work all nights now. Yeah. yeah so. Is that is that what the new guys have to do? Or... Uh, yeah, kind of. So for three years, they can put us wherever they want. Oh, okay. Um. So they tell you you can put in like a wish list, but you can't actually bid for a position mm-hmm. or a shift. So uh, they had us all put in wish lists, and then they gave us the exact opposite of what we wanted. <laughs> so. <laughs> so it didn't even matter. Right. So I asked to be uh, at Scott Park afternoons, and they put me on Central Station midnights. All right. So, yeah. So close. Yeah. yeah right. right. <laughs> um, how are you liking it? Actually, I, I do like it. I thought I was yeah. going to hate Midnight's. Yeah. Uh, the policing's fun. I knew that would be cool. Yeah. Just because there's more going on, you know. And I mean, there's, I guess, more serious stuff happening at night because yeah. it's usually people aren't out for good things at three in the morning. Yeah. But, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> I've been surprised that I haven't been exhausted. Okay. Because literally a lot of times i get like two or three hour nap when i get home and then i'm up with the kids and yeah then maybe i fall asleep for 45 minutes before my shift so wow i work 11 30 to 7 30 yeah because now uh your wife has she she has a she she used to work retail but now she's a different job is it and she has regular hours yeah so for i don't know the first 13 years we were together i worked a normal Monday through Friday, uh, 8.30 to 4.30 job, mm-hmm. was home every single weekend. And she had, you know, like the swing shifts and was working, you know, nine out of 10 days or, <clears throat> you know, working uh, second shift and then going into first shift the next day and then a third shift occasionally. And then as soon as I became a police officer and got a crazy shift, she yeah. got a nine to five Monday through Friday <laughs> job. So. I think she just doesn't want to see me very much. 
Um, I, I do. I do want to talk about. So you're like you said, you had a, a, a regular job, quote unquote, regular mm-hmm. job, and then you went and decided to be a police officer. What What made you decide? Like, I don't want to be on this desk anymore, and I want to be because it's such a big shift. Yeah. So I've always had a, at least some interest in doing it. Um, you know, when I was in high school, uh, I just assumed I was going to be a professional baseball player at some point. Yeah. Um, for various reasons that didn't end up working out. And I, I ended up dropping out of college and I came home and, uh, it was kind of like, I was either going to continue trying for that or I was going to maybe be a police officer just cause I mean, just sounded like a cool thing to do, I yeah, guess. But, yeah. uh, so I kept playing baseball for a little bit, but I ended up getting a full-time job at OI and, uh, I mean, then, uh, me and Emily decided to start a family and stuff. So, um, just kind of. I started off in the mail room there and worked my way up. And then, like, 13 years later, I was like, man, why am I still here? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I just – I really got tired of, I guess, corporate life uh-huh. um, and sitting at a desk and telling people what to do and, you know, minding my P's and Q's for the CEO that was 100 feet away. And yeah. I don't know. I just felt like, uh, you know, not not to be like – Oh, I have so much to offer the world, but mm-hmm. I just felt like I was kind of wasting my, you know, I guess the talents that I did have just sitting at a desk making money for somebody. So, yeah, um, I just randomly went online and was checking it out one day. And one of the reasons that I'd never did it was because I was always the, the breadwinner. And I, I figured if you went to the academy, you had to go on your own, you know, time and dollar. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> I found out that if you you ha- it's a long vigorous process but if you get accepted into their academy they'll pay you to go. Hmm. Um but you've got hundreds of people that apply and then they whittle it down through background checks and uh fitness tests and mental evaluations and all kinds of stuff so it's it's kind of hard to get in but once you do, I mean, you're kind of good to go. That's good. Yeah, because that, it, and we we talked about it when it first happened. How it can it can seem scary, you know, uh, having three kids and a good job, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to change it up, and and it's gotta like it, it, a little a little scary. And I'm sure your wife felt that way too. Oh yeah, you know? I mean, I was terrified. Yeah, uh, I mean, I built my whole life around that job. I got that job when I was, I think, 19 years old. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, all, uh, we've just kind of upgraded through life as I upgraded in that job, you know? So, I mean, when I've got that job, as soon as I got it after my first or second paycheck, we moved out of our parents' houses. We, you know, we got a one bedroom apartment in Rossford, yeah. uh, you know, and then as time went on, we got cars and then we, you know, got a condo and then we got a, we rented a house in East Lido and then we bought our first house and then we bought our second house. And so... You know that job has always provided for us. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's what we've we've made it on. So going to something that I didn't know if I was really going to be good at. I mean, I felt like it suited my personality, but mm-hmm. uh, and then not only that, but you have to make it through the academy. Yeah, you know. So and it was one of those things where I had I had about five weeks of vacation at OI. And so there was a part of me that was going to 
play it safe and just go on vacation for the first like three weeks of the academy. Uh-huh. Um, that way, if I didn't like it or oh, you know okay. whatever, I yeah. could always go back. Yeah. But I kind of went with the mentality of like I'm just gonna sink all the lifeboats because if I give myself an out when it gets too hard, I'll just go. You know what? Screw this. I can go sit at my desk. You know, make what I was making and you know have vacation, go play golf on Fridays. Yeah. You know, whatever. Go live that cushy life again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I didn't want that, you know, I wanted, I wanted what I wanted. If you're going to go in, go yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. So I cashed all my vacation out and immediately regretted it day four of the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> but was, there, I, was there one thing that made you like, that you think like when you say regretted it, is there one thing that sticks out in your mind? So the third day of the Academy, first of all, the first two weeks are it's, I mean, it sucks. <laughs> they, they're trying to make you quit. Yeah, so for yeah. the first two weeks, they can replace you with another candidate that's behind you in the process. Okay. Uh, once you get past that two weeks, they can't replace you anymore because that person could never get up to speed. They've missed too much already. Okay. So for those first two weeks, like they push you as hard as they can and see, you know, who's gonna who's gonna drop out essentially. Day three, I woke up at two in the morning throwing up with the flu. Oh, man. And to this day, I mean, it's, it's literally one of the worst days of my life. It was, <laughs> it was terrible. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I mean, you get through it, and it's one of those things where as, as bad as the academy was at times, which, you know, once you get past the first month or so, it's not really that bad, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I kind of look back on it fondly. I mean, you you go through it with your classmates and stuff, and and uh, you have a lot of laughs and things like that, and you know you meet a lot of cool people. And so, I mean, I I I would never want to go through it again, uh, but I look back on it pretty fondly, actually. Well, I think it's important to go back to your initial point of of not having an out, right? You, if there's something you want to do. Let's do it because you're right. Because I, I, I mean, I know you. I think if you were to give yourself that out, I think you still would have done it. But it would have been in the back of your mind, you know. And some people, they would have taken that. They would have said, no, forget this. I'm, I'm out of here. I tried. And for them, that would have been good enough. Like, I tried to do it, and it just wasn't for me. But I think it's important, like, when no matter where you're at in your life, like, if you're going to do something, do it. Yeah, right. Right? just go all in. Yeah, especially if you have support. Like your your wife and your kids, I'm sure they were behind you 100%. The rest of your family, you know, all your friends were, were there with you. And that helps you. That lifts you up when you are throwing up at 3 in the morning with the food. Right. You know, that yeah. that helps you knowing you have all that support. Yeah, so I, I actually, um, <clears throat> so I, I applied for the class before me, and I was the last alternate candidate. So they... They have like their class that they give a seat to, mm-hmm. and then there's a list of alternates, and those are the people that come in, you know, when people drop out through those first two weeks. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was the very last one, and I think I maybe had one or two people in front of me before it closed out, and I was kind of salty about it. Like, I, I scored really high on the uh, entrance exam part, mm-hmm. I guess you'd call it, Um and everybody kept telling me I was kind of a shoe in I felt like I interviewed pretty well. And then when I didn't get it, you know, I was kind of a, I was kind of a baby about it. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was just talking shit like, all, sorry, kid show, no, as, right. as Dave Portnoy would say, kid, <laughs> kid show, kid show. Uh, I, I was kind of talking smack about it for a while, like, you know, like I was entitled to get in, I guess. But, um, 
but it was all good. Uh, Did I, that help you? Like, fo- like no, it hurt. So <laughs> no, really? it hurt my <laughs> hurt my pride. Um, <laughs> honestly, Emily's the one that pushed me to reapply because I was kind of like, all right, you know, whatever. I'll just yeah. stay here. Like it's not meant to be. Whatever. Um, so she she kind of pushed me in that direction, which I thought. I was really concerned that she didn't want me to do it the first time around, but mm-hmm. that she was just kind of going along with it because it was my thing. I always feel that way whenever I do something new. Yeah. Yeah. So, and maybe it was just me trying to sabotage myself because mm-hmm. I was scared to leave, you know, where I was at. Yeah. So I was trying to find like every reason not to. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I talked to her over and over and over, like, you know, you have to want this too yeah. because, you know, they say like some crazy amount of, cops get divorced i mean it's like mm-hmm. a, like they say like 50 percent of america i don't know what the number is but it's something crazy like 75 to 80 percent of police officers get divorced yeah you know because it's just it's a hard job emotionally I yeah. mean, you know you you go from you know having to hold somebody at gunpoint to seeing a dead kid the next day mm-hmm. to, you know having to wrangle someone's dog some days and you know, deal with a noise complaint where someone thinks it's, you know, the it's the most, to them, it's the most important thing in their day. Yeah. You know, to you, it's not. I mean, there's no other way to say it. To you, it's insignificant, but you have to treat it like it's the most important part of your day or else that person has a negative interaction with the police and all of a sudden you guys are jerks and you don't do your job. Yeah. You know, so I always try to go in with the mindset of your interaction with that person can change the way that they view police as a whole for forever, forever. That could be their only interaction, you know, or that, you know, and that, and especially if it's like a young parent or Mm -hmm. something, maybe that shapes the way their kids even view you because when they go home from that traffic stop that you pulled them over for, if you're a jerk right off the bat and you, you don't treat them fairly or you're having a bad day and you're just really condescending and things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the, when they're when they're ranting and raving at home, their kids their kids are listening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can remember plenty of opinions that I formed as a kid or a teenager or whatever, and I look back on it and I'm like, I had no idea what I was talking about. I was just regurgitating everything my parents felt about it. Yeah, you know, because they're my parents. Why would they steer me wrong? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. Uh, I always just try to, I mean, it's it's corny or whatever, but I just try to go into everything fresh slate. Um, I try to treat everybody with respect until they don't deserve it anymore. And mm-hmm. even then, you know, I try to at least be professional about it um, and just go in with that mindset of, you know, your interaction with them can shape the way they view you positively or negatively for a long time. Well, it's just like um, having a, if you have a business, if you have one, you can have a hundred positive things that happen and then one negative thing and everyone hears the negative thing, right? So Absolutely. you, you, even you as a police officer can, can have a 99% success rate of this, this is positive. And then that one time is what people see. And, uh, unfortunately, um, as with any business, um, that sucks. And that's what, and like I said, that's what people see. Uh, but nobody's perfect at anything, you know, um, and with with media and everything, everything always gets blown out of proportion, um, or they immediately put things out there, um, right or wrong. So it, it's just for you talk about the emotional aspect of being a police officer and the stressfulness of does that ever is that ever in the back of your mind? Like these people are filming me, 
you know, or is there, or you can't. Oh yeah, I mean they'll they'll come straight out and film you. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like like the fact that it's in the back of my mind, like you guys are filming me. I have to be perfect right now. Yeah, I mean, or, I, or you on, can't let on, it, I guess. honestly, I just try to be myself. Yeah, you know, I I don't try to fake anything for cameras. I don't try to, I don't treat anybody any differently on camera than I do off camera. So yeah. I, I feel like I don't really have to worry about it. Uh-huh. I'm sure there are things that I that I do while I'm on camera that people would be like, you know, I you know I can't believe he's he said that or whatever. Yeah. But I'm just me. I, like I, I'm not gonna hide it because I don't feel like I have anything to hide. Yeah, you know, and and we have body cams here, so everything we do is on on camera anyway. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, there are certain situations in police work that even when you do the right thing, it's ugly. Yeah. You know, it's an ugly job. So if I have someone resisting. It's not going to look good, mm-hmm. you know, especially like, let's say I have a female resisting. Yeah. You know, I'm a grown man. Uh, whether well, I, you're like five, seven. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> with a sack of nickels in my pocket, I can reach about <laughs> 150, I guess. Uh, um, no, but so if I have to grab a female yeah. and I've got to get her arms behind her as she's, you know, flailing and trying to punch me and scratch me and bite me it's not gonna look good Mm -hmm. i mean it could be a it could be a 13 year old kid but if they're going just absolutely nuts and i can't i'm not gonna punch them in the face you know to get them under control so everything else that i do is not gonna look good i mean they're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the ground uh i'm gonna put all the body weight i can on them to stop them from being able to move. I'm going to rip their arms back behind, you know, it's not going to be gentle that you can't. Yeah. And so when someone films that it looks terrible, especially if they can cut out certain parts of it. Absolutely. And you don't see certain angles. You don't see what happened beforehand. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that police officers don't take it overboard sometimes Yeah, because they do. Yeah. And like you said, or like we said before, I mean, it's an emotional job. So, Mm -hmm. Are there times where police officers probably feel spited because they got elbowed in the face or someone, you know, said something crazy about their family or something like that? I mean, I've had people say some pretty nasty stuff to me. And, I, you know, I have, I've been on the job for eight seconds. Yeah. You know, so that's the other thing is people just need to realize that even though we need to be held to a higher standard, we're not robots. Yeah. You know what I mean? So put yourself in... Put yourself in one of those situations before you throw too many judgments out and realize that, you know, most of us, we were, you know, and not, and not that we're completely different people, but yeah. most of us were you guys before. You know, I worked at a desk for 13 years. I was a male guy for, you know, eight years of that, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the people that are, I guess, listening to this that are you know, clerks at Best Buy or work at a grocery store or work at Kohl's or something like that. That's where we came from. Mm -hmm. We're just regular people who decided this is what we wanted to do, whether it was, you know, someone felt like they had a higher calling or they just thought it would be cool to be a police officer or whatever the, you know, whatever the reason they did it. They were just normal people who got, you know, some training and now they're trying to do the best that they can. Yeah. Um, and for this next part, we can we can cut any of this out. The only reason I'm going to ask you these questions is because we're really good friends, right? Oh, you're good, man. You can ask me whatever. So um, 
do you feel being a young police officer, younger, right? Um, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just had a birthday. <laughs> um, do you feel like, because com- coming from me, I, when I was in high school and even after high school, I had a really nice car. I kept it clean. I lived in Perrysburg. I got pulled over half a dozen times. I never got a ticket. Um, I always got pulled over just because. I don't know if it's because, hey, let's look at that kid. Um, let's look at that brown kid. I don't know. I, I can't. I'm just assuming from how I, I felt in that situation, they were pulling me over just to check it out because I never got tickets for anything. They said, oh, you crossed the white line or your music was too loud or whatever. Um, do you feel that as, as a younger police officer, it's part of your job to try to get a culture that, um, I'm not going to say the police officer that the police officer culture is racist, but I think the perception is, is that they are. Oh, it's do, absolutely a perception. Do you think it's your job to try to um, help change that? Oh, a hundred percent. So one of the answers that I gave in my interview that you know I always remember. Um, I didn't really go in. I ne- I didn't go into my interview scripted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. I had no idea what they were going to... I mean, I had some ideas of things they would ask, stuff that you get asked in every interview. Yeah. You know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And you make up some stuff that makes you sound better than <laughs> you really are. Um, But one of the things they asked me was, why do you want to be a police officer? Which should have been like... I mean, that should have been like... You should have known that answer. Yeah, right? you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I when he asked me that, I kind of like... I kind of froze for a second because I'm thinking like that's the most obvious question ever and I that's I did not think of an answer for that. So um but the answer I gave was um you know, I told him I know it sounds cliché to say that you want to help people and you know, but the obvious I, stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I I think I told him along with helping people and also holding people accountable for things that they do. Um, I felt like it was a unique opportunity to help bridge the gap between the community and the police. Yeah. So there's obviously a fractured relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So as a police officer, you're in a really unique position to interact with a ton of different people all throughout the day and all in your community mm-hmm. if if you live here obviously but yeah um so i do i i mean i take that as a as a challenge um there are plenty of people that i arrest even and or i have to tow their car or something like that and they're mfing me mm-hmm. you know every which way and by the time we're done some for some reason they're thanking me for something you know, and I think that's it's kind of like a challenge that I set out for myself. Instead of, it'd be really easy to just give it right back to him. Yeah. You know, and being like, you know, screw this guy. But it doesn't really ha- it it doesn't always have to be all that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's I, I feel like even some there are times where you can't help it, man. There there are guys who they're just the way they are. They're, you know, they only understand one thing and it's, you know, you're going to jail, you you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are other people that you can kind of let them know, explain to them why you did what you did, you know, why this is happening to them. Um, and 
you just let them know that it's it's nothing personal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I it's 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 the game that they they like to play. They know they go out, they do something, they try not to get caught. We catch them. I mean, it just is what it is. Yeah. So the 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 other thing out there that um, people always talk about, you know, that all cops are bad. Um, obviously, if I thought that, you wouldn't be sitting here, right? Um, this is a trap interview. It is, <laughs> guys. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> um, my and I think a, a, a lot of people share the same sentiment as that. Um, I don't believe all cops are bad, um, mm-hmm. but but what makes it not okay, I guess, is when there are bad apples. And the, nobody points. The out. good ones don't do anything about sure. it. Um, have I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you like you said you've been you haven't been a police officer very long. I'm not gonna ask you. Have you seen any of that? But but as as a, a newer crop of police officers that come in, I think it's important um, as as any job. If you see someone stealing from a cash register, if you see see someone um, taking office supplies, any of this stuff, you should say, hey, a to them, don't do that. And if they continue to do that or say, screw you, then go somewhere else and say, this is happening. Do you think that is something, a part of your job? And, and, and I, I'm, I, I don't know if they talk about it in the academy or anything like that, but I, I just think it's important that if there's bad things happening, that good police officers should point that out. Yeah, they definitely talk about it. Um, and, you know, to go back to the question that you don't, you didn't want to ask, uh, I've, I haven't seen anything like as far as rights violations or, you know, people taking the physicality too far or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I've I've seen, you know, guys who just poke the bear unnecessarily, I guess. Okay. Uh, or just continuously egg guys on and, and you are you at a point in your job where you can say hey man i don't i don't know about that it's it's tough man it just like anywhere especially when you're new you know you kind of teeter that line between uh i guess knowing your place yeah you know what i mean um but i mean i've definitely said like listen man like like i said before it don't have to be all that yeah you know relax especially if it's my like uh quote unquote prisoner you know, I'm like, listen, man, don't don't rile my guy all up. Like, you don't have, oh, you're not the one yeah. that has to deal with him, all right? Okay, yeah. You know, but but I have, like, I have, you know, I, I've always worked with a partner, um, and there have been times where, you know, I notice my partner just kind of getting amped up, mm-hmm. or uh, the conversation going sideways, where I'm like, whoa, relax, like, you know, I I'll let him know, like. You got. You need to bring it down a sec. Yeah. You know, you're you're making things worse. You know, and and the, this this interaction is going to go a completely different way because some of the stuff you see, you know, online or whatever. I will say, most of the time, of a, a, a vast majority of the time, the citizen dictates the way that the interaction goes. Uh-huh. So. Most of the times where you see a police officer wrestling around with a guy or the there's a screaming match going on, it is because of the way that the citizen's handling themselves. Yeah. So no I won't say no no officer, but most officers don't want to go into a situation and have to go hands on or have to scream at someone because at the end of the day that puts our safety in jeopardy too. 
Yeah, no, I, nobody thinks about that yeah. aspect, and well, we don't. We don't want to be on camera looking like you know we're doing some crazy stuff either. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I had uh, years ago or last year before I left UT, we had a conversation, me and uh, some some of my friends at work, where they asked they asked me how come how come when someone gets pulled over for a speeding ticket, they're immediately the person getting pulled over immediately has a bad attitude about it, or they're not compliant, or this and that. And from my personal experience and from people I know, I talk to, the reason, um, from my understanding, the reason that happens is because they're constantly getting pulled over or constantly doing this or constantly doing that. Um, And now, again, it might be because they're doing bad things, but also might be like, hey, man, I've been pulled over four times this week for my music being too loud or tinted windows or whatever. And I told my friends, I go, it gets, it gets tiring. It sure. gets frustrating. It gets old. And that's when, when one time a cop can come up and just, and immediately just, just not even say uh, them coming up to the window saying, and not saying, Hey, hello, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it like sets them off. And I told them that's, that's the frustrating part. And that's why, that's why I would assume that's why some people get upset right away. It's just, it's tiring to go through life. Um, for lack of a better term, getting picked on or what perceives to be being picked on. And I think that goes to your point of the interaction between the citizen. Um, probably they probably escalate at first. It's because of them just being frustrated. Yeah. And I get that. Um, and, and I know as you, as a police officer, when you pull someone over, you don't know that they've been put over four times in the last right. six months. Right. Well, and the, I, the other thing is, I don't think a lot of people realize that, a lot of the time when we pull you guys over, we don't know who's in the car. Yeah. So everybody just assumes, like, I got pulled over because of the way I look. Mm-hmm. And is that the case sometimes? I'm sure it is. Yeah. You know, I, and and if there's a, you know, if there's a 17-year-old kid in a car at, 3.30 in the morning on LaGrange and they're the only car on the road and they're, you know, and they don't use a turn signal, are they probably going to get pulled over? Yeah, probably. But that's that's what policing is, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, people have to realize that all, you know, when you go on social media and you see all those guns and all those drugs and stuff like that, we don't get them from going to calls, we get them from proactive policing. Yeah. So while it might seem like harassment to people, that's it's not to harass people. That's just that's that's the method to get things off the street. Yeah. So have I pulled people over at four in the morning for not having a plate light on their car? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Usually, I go up to the window. I talk to someone and I say, "Hey." You know, the reason I pulled you over, your plate light's out. Uh, do you have your license on you? And we go from there. Yeah. If they've if they've got a valid license and everything checks out, you know, I tend to just let people know, like, you've got an equipment violation. Get it taken care of. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's not like I'm out there trying to hammer everybody and you didn't use your turn signal. Like, you know, I'm giving you this and this and this and this. You know, I like to... That's part of the relationship building also. It's like, you know, they'll they'll get super mad about it sometimes. But then at the end of the interaction, I mean, I have that discretion where I can say, I'm not going to cite you today. You know, yeah. I appreciate you, you know, being cordial with me. Um, 
Just get it taken care of. This is what you need to do to get it taken care of. You know, so uh, I actually had a stop a few days ago. It was about 3 in the morning, um, and it was a car that didn't have a license plate at all on it. And it was it was it was real early in the morning. I mean, it was like some somewhere between like three and four. And so I pulled them over, and it happened to be four black guys in the car. And right away, they're just like, "What are you pulling us over for?" Blah blah blah. I'm like, relax, okay? You don't have a you don't have a license plate on your car. You Uh-oh. can't you can't drive a car without a license plate on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Yeah. Um, and so. The first three guys, they're like, you know, okay, and they're given information, they're given their IDs, whatever. Dude in the passenger seat rolls his window down about a quarter of an inch, and I'm like, hey, man, you got an ID on you? And he's like, yeah. Can I see it? What do you need to see my ID for? I'm like, because I need to know who I'm talking to. And he didn't have a seatbelt on, you know, whatever else. And so he's just going on and on and on, and he's like, you don't need to know who I am, blah, blah, blah. He's starting to get loud. So I was like, all right, man, we're not we're not going to do this. So I open up the car door. I get, you know, I tell him to get out of the car. I turn him around. I put him in handcuffs, put him in the back of the car. So at that point, I mean, he can be arrested, right? I mean, yeah. failure to disclose information, you know, the list goes on. Um, once I got everything else under control, I went to the, the back of the car and I said, listen, man, I'm not trying to ruin your night i'm not trying to jam you up i simply need to know who i'm talking to i have a car full of four people at three four in the morning without a plate on a car i need to know who's in this car right now um and you know he kind of, he's kind of going off again and i'm like listen man it does it that's like the thing that i always say it doesn't have to be all that yeah you know i mean it's it's not that serious. Mm-hmm. You know, you're making this way into way bigger deal than it is. And I'm like, I'm a, do you have warrants or something? Like, what's the deal? And he's like, well, he said, no, I just had a bad interaction with a police officer two days ago. You know, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired. And I'm like, well, listen, man, I, I can appreciate that, but I have bad interactions with people all day. Everybody hates me. But I came to your door uh, with respect, I asked you if you had your ID on you. I told you why I needed your ID. I informed you you didn't have a seatbelt on, you know, and and things like that. Uh, if I allowed every interaction that I had that people made me upset to affect how I deal with the next person, I'd have a pretty terrible existence as a police officer because I, I wouldn't get anywhere with anybody. Yeah. So long story short, he did end up having a couple of traffic warrants and things like that. But instead of taking them to jail, uh, I, you know, I just took that as an opportunity to show him that we're all just normal people, you know, and that regardless of what happened with him and the other police officer, whether it was the police officer's fault or his, we're not all the same, you know, and so I didn't, I didn't do anything with the, you know, failure to disclose information or anything like that. I let all that go. Got him a new court date for his warrants that he missed court on before. Put him back in the car. Didn't you know the? And we let it, we nobody really got anything out mm-hmm. of it. So just 
I'm, I, maybe it's wishful thinking, but hopefully he went away from that traffic stop and was like, all right, you know, maybe at least, at least, you know, they're not all, you know, yeah. out to get us or whatever. Because he actually did on his way back to the car. He's like, man, you guys are cool as F, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And not that I'm out to like, please everybody or you know that i need validation from everybody we interact with but it's nice to at least give people a little perspective i guess yeah well i think there needs to be more of that what you just did right because i don't think every every time someone gets pulled over i'm uh, i don't think it deserves a ticket for whatever it is right and i'm sure there's police officers that whenever they pull someone over they write everybody up for everything and I think that leaves a bad taste in people's mouths too. Like, hey, this is broken. My my uh, plate lights are broken. Um, police officer pulled me over for it. Okay, here you go. It's just a warning, but please get take care of because I can't guarantee the next person that pulls you over isn't going to give you a ticket. I think there's going to be um, that you're being proactive by pulling people over, checking things out. You're also being proactive by not giving them a ticket, thinking for the future. Like, okay, this is going to this is going to be good for them. Saying, hey, just because someone has an interaction with the police doesn't mean it has to be a bad thing. Right, yeah. you know, it's scary. I know anytime I get pulled over, even though if I know exactly what I did, I immediately start sweating, and I'm I don't I don't do anything. I'm not. I don't person. like cops <laughs> getting behind me. Like, yeah. I mean, for the first like six months that I worked, even when I was on at work in a police car, when a police car would get behind me, I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> or like standing in a room full of police officers at roll call, I was just like, oh man, because I hated cops. I I honestly I hated cops growing up. I was it up, hating cops or were you afraid? Both. Okay. So I had some pretty nasty interactions with police officers when I was do younger. They, do they ask you, know? you about that when you, like, have you had oh, any? Yeah. Do they, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I almost didn't get in because, <laughs> because of my, you know, just my juvenile record alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? As an adult, my record's pretty squeaky clean, yeah. but I was getting, like, hemmed up for stuff that happened when I was 13 years old and I was 32 years old oh, going wow. through the background process. Wow. I got all these, like, uh, you know, I didn't disclose information on certain things because I, I forgot about it. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so I had like automatic rejections and like all these. You get like a certain amount of points that you can have before you reach rejection that way too. I had like three automatic rejections. I had like so many points that I could. <laughs> so I had to go in front of like eight people and appeal why I felt like I deserved to continue in the process and. I mean, I articulated a little bit better than this, but I basically went in front of him and I said, are you guys the same person you were when you were 16 years old? Because I'm 32, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, but, yeah, I mean, I well, I, I got in trouble as much as the next kid, and, and, you know, cops weren't always fair to me, and I, I can remember some some pretty nasty interactions where I felt like I got treated un, unfairly, and, and there were... And some of them, looking back on it, I'm like, okay, I, I deserved what yeah, I got. But that one, yeah. yeah, but there were definitely some where I was just like, man, I, like looking back on that, I would never do that to a kid. You know, I would never treat him that way. You well, know? I, well, I think that's important too because there's so many times. Just put it into parenting perspective when, when there's parents out there that have, make make comments or posts like, well. I got I got my butt whooped as a kid and I turned out fine. You're like, no, you didn't. If right. that, you know, that, I, I hate that. Change that. And I the same thing that. with you. Like you had bad interactions, but you go positively. Like I need, I don't want other people to feel that way. Right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I hate that so much. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, your your dad beat you with a tire iron and you came out fine. Well, all right, well, people do cocaine pregnant and their babies come out fine, but I wouldn't recommend. Yeah, it. you know what I mean, yeah. like. 
So, you know, I, I think it's I'm a, not with that. Either. Yeah. And I think it's important. And, and, and I'm sure um, a lot of cops understand this. But every time you're pulling someone over, it's their worst moment ever. For sure. Right? It's so terrifying. And again, when I, I, get, I can get pulled over for speeding. I know I was speeding. And I know that's why they pulled me over. But I'm still like, <laughs> it's my car. And I'm still thinking, like, <laughs> what's in my car? <laughs> Like what's did right. somebody put something in here, right. you know? It's so. like it's like when you walk around a store for a long time and then you go to leave and you're like, I don't have anything in my pocket or anything, do I? Like I didn't buy anything. <laughs> I, I just think it's important for police officers to understand that when they're yeah, pulling somebody no. over. Because it goes a long way into how you approach it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I guess if I can give any perspective to anyone listening, it's that I like that you you say that you said that a few times. Like I have a th- thousands of listeners, so it makes me feel. Good. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Um, so Andrea, just I know you're listening. <laughs> I don't even think she listens. <laughs> um, no, but so when we pull people over, we have no idea what's going on in that car. Yeah, you know, there. It's not like it happens all the time, but we all, as, as police officers, we all see like. Every time a police officer is killed, we see the video. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we see the traffic stops where someone gets pulled over for a suspended license and the the cop walks up to the door and immediately gets shot at. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's always in the back of our mind. Always. So when a cop sees you, you know, scrambling all over the car, reaching down between your legs or whatever else, and they say, listen, man, can you just kind of keep your hands where i can see them they're not being a jerk no i mean it's it's a safety thing it really is you know i mean if i if i tell you to put your hands where i can see them i'm not trying to be a control freak it's because something you're doing is making the the hair on the back of my neck stand up Mm -hmm. you know and if you're a black person and that's happening I'm sorry, you know, it's not because you're black, it's because for some reason right now, like, I'm feeling uneasy, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, you know, whether you're white or black or whatever, it's just a safety thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and it's, it's not an unreasonable request in my mind. Yeah. You know, so... I am not one of those people that's like, just comply, you know, because... Like I said, I before I was a cop, I wasn't a cop. You know what I mean? So I know how it goes, but if a police officer is there for a legal reason, and you, you do need to follow directions at the very least. I'm not saying bend over backwards and yes, sir, no, sir, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can still feel the way you want to feel, but you need to follow directions because when you don't follow directions, then the red flags start flying up like, what, what is this? What's this dude trying to hide? Like, what is? Where is this going? Mm-hmm. Because when I ask someone for their ID after I've pulled them over for running a red light, and they don't want to give me their ID, and they're asking me all kinds of questions, going, "Okay, well, what? What's this dude trying to hide?" Because for me, if I get pulled over after going through a red light, I go, "Damn, I ran through a red light. You want my license? Here's my license, and then we'll talk about it." Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not. There's no reason for me to, well, what is this? And what? Is, why are you doing this? And, oh, you're just, you know, you didn't pull this guy over, Bob. I'd, 
it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Just get through it. And then if you feel like you're treated unfairly, report it. Yeah. Because that stuff really does go. <clears throat> people don't think it goes places when you report police officers. If you have a valid concern, they'll go back and they'll review body cam footage. They really will. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people, though, they, they're, they're very sensitive. You know, so they feel mistreated when they really weren't. Or they make something way bigger than it really was. So, you know, like I said, I, I've been complained on already for things that I kind of laugh about. And I'm like, are well, you at serious? The, I'm sure at the time when, when they're like, hey, uh, you got a complaint. And you can't even think of, like, what yeah, you could have done. Yeah, and you get nervous. You're yeah. like... Well, what I, you know, it's kind of like you're like, what's in my car? Like, I'm like, what did I do? You know, like I'm trying to think back on something crazy that I did. Um, here's a here's a quick story, and just to uh, kind of reiterate how things can be misleading or blown out of proportion on social media. My partner and I we got dispatched to Baskin and Robbins one time, and it was a 15 or 16 year old girl that was working there. And there was a guy that just kept coming up and harassing her, like this straight-up creepy guy, Mm -hmm. you know, and was saying all kinds of sexual things to her and just wouldn't leave, and and he was going day after day after day. So he was up there, and we get dispatched. We go up there, and tactically parking, we usually don't pull into a parking space, you know, or at least not, like, face-first or anything, just because, I mean... Who knows if that guy's in there and he just like starts shooting through the windows like we don't want to have to back our car out. And, you know, so the way this parking lot's set up is you got the storefront. You've got like the the parking spots right in front of the doors. Mm -hmm. Then you've got like a big space between that and then like uh, like one of those kind of islands, I guess. And then the rest of the parking lot. So we just kind of snug up next to the island and uh, we're parked parallel to the doors. So we go in there. There's like a 15, 16 person line. We go to the side of the counter. We talk to the girl, find out what's going on. She lets us know he started heading down Sylvania. Oh, he left. Yeah. So we get her information real quick, uh, head outside, and her dad's actually outside in a truck. And he's like, yeah, I've been parking. I've been coming to sit at her work while she works because this guy's like been so persistent and like, you know, I mean, he's dangerous. Yeah. So we leave. We go driving through some neighborhoods. We find him. We arrest him. He's a registered sex offender. Um, he's got open warrants, you know, the whole nine. So we save the day, right? Like, I mean, we, we get this guy. He's not going to go up there at least for until he gets out or whatever. Yeah. Um, The next day, we get a call from a lieutenant, and she's like, hey, did you guys have a call at Baskin and Robbins yesterday? I said, yeah. She's like, did you guys get ice cream while you were there? I said, no. She's like, you didn't get any ice cream while you were there? I said, no. <laughs> She's like, if you guys got ice cream, I, I honestly don't care. I just want to know. And I'm like, no, we did not get ice cream. So we gave her the whole rundown. She goes, okay, well, some guy uh, took pictures of your car, took pictures of you guys, said that you guys used your quote-unquote blue privilege to (laughs) not park in a parking spot, park in the middle of the parking lot, uh, skip a line of 15 or 16 people, go to the side of the counter, got free ice cream, and then left. (laughs) And it's all over Facebook, and people are sharing it. Really? Oh, yeah. People are sharing it. You guys are all over the place. 
Um, so she goes, I don't, she's like, it's not the biggest deal in the world. I just want to know, because if you didn't, then I'm going to close this out and I'm going to tell the guy like that his claims are going unfounded or whatever she said, you know, but that's just a really small (laughs) example. You know what I mean? So, so when you see those videos and you see those pictures and things like that, like think about that Mm -hmm. because we did a really good thing that day and we got dragged on social media for it you know because we were there lounging getting free ice cream when we didn't i told my (laughs) lieutenant i said yeah i mean i kind of wish i would have got some ice cream now (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy yeah so i mean and there's been a few instances like that i mean i i've been on social media like three times already and i mean i and there and it was for and it was all during positive interactions you've barely been a police officer yeah It's a, every single one of them has been positive. One guy went to jail, but I mean, he was super cool about yeah. it. But the other guy, I was actually helping him. He uh, he had a, he had a disabled motor vehicle, um, and so I actually helped push him off to the side of the road. Uh, asked him, you know, if he had some some way to get home, yeah. like all that. And it got posted on social media that I pulled him over for no reason and all this other stuff. I didn't even pull him over. Wow. So, I mean, you just never know, man. Yeah. And and it was actually, it was a short video clip, right? So, very, very short. Um, And the guy's, like, got his arms up in the air like this. But he was telling me a story. Uh, and but it looked like he was like yelling at me and then yeah. like i'm like doing the same thing back to him and it looks like we're screaming <laughs> at each other the the person's filming from like the gas station on secor and oh, okay. lasky or something and it's just like dude <laughs> that's crazy like you think we're out to get you like you guys are out to get us <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and that's uh obviously that's the frustrating part of it but but you can't control that right, right. you just do your job and yep. and and hopefully people don't turn it into something else. And the, I always tell people, uh, like I said, I have very little experience. But in my short experience, uh, I mean, this is like the worst time ever to be a police officer. So, yeah. I, I mean, between the pandemic and the George Floyd stuff yeah. and the riots in Toledo and just, you know, everything going on. I mean, it's literally like the worst time to come on as a police officer. But during my short time... I've realized if you can take a step back, the job day to day isn't isn't as crazy because of the times as people make it out to be. Uh-huh. If you didn't have social media and you didn't watch the news, I feel like you wouldn't really know that that stuff is going on. Yeah. So. After some of those incidents and things like that happened, there were people that would drive by my traffic stops and stuff or my calls and they'd, you know, scream out F the pigs or, you know, we're going to kill you guys, stuff like that. But for it was for it was very short lived. You know, it was like knee jerk, you know, emotional reactions. Um, But on a normal day to day, I don't I don't really get that stuff. Yeah. So most of the the. uh anxiety or stress or whatever you want to call it that i've experienced has come from just like scrolling through facebook comments things like that you it's it's a it's a it's a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down but that you always go down so you see some cop related thing posted and what do you do like before you even read the article you click on the comments and you're like 
Oh my god! Like these people are ridiculous. Like we so we had a shooting uh, in the Wilers, uh, which is projects on the east side, mm-hmm. and uh, dude turned the corner with a gun pointed at the officers, and there were four of them, and they shot him and killed him. Yeah, and for the most part, people were like, I mean, the dude pulled a gun on him and pointed at him like, of course he died. Yeah. But then there are people like, why they have to shoot him so many times? Yeah. And it's like, what do you want from us? You know what I mean? Like, If you think your life's in danger, yeah, you're mean, not going to shoot one time. You're you like, don't wait, sh- did, did you I don't, get him? Yeah, you don't shoot once and go, nope. Yeah. Nope. And I I forget, I, you know, I'm not trying to throw out false statistics, uh, but there's some, it's some crazy number. Like when under stress, police officers shoot like at a, 16 or 25 percent uh accuracy Accuracy. mark yeah so most of the time like when you're on the range you're like point aim shoot you know whatever when someone pulls a gun on you you're just you're sometimes you're still unholstering at that point because you're not even aware that there's a gun coming into play so you might shoot the floor four times before you even get it up on target yeah so at that point if your life's in danger you're just pulling yeah you know you're just you're just trying to end the threat. Um, so when people see like a person was shot 30 times, well, you can pull a trigger pretty fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you've got four guys there and, you know, each one of them hits six times in a row or something like that, I mean, that's already 24 shots. Yeah. You know, so it's not, it's not really as egregious as people think it is. And, you know, People, people get. I think people see the movies and like someone gets shot one time and they're just like, slow oh, motion, fall yeah. down, it's over. That's not how it happens, man. <laughs> there, there are cops. We, I watch videos sometimes and like people will be twenty feet away with a knife and they get shot six, seven times and they still stab the officer. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I mean, it, you got to end the threat. Yeah, I mean that's that's what they teach you. They don't they don't say shoot to kill. They don't put it that way. But they tell you to end the threat. Yeah. So until that person's done moving forward or whatever they're doing, until that weapon's down, like, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. There was a podcast I listened to, and um, I, I can't remember what where it was from or who, who put it out, but it was the, the, the premise of the podcast was that they went to a bunch of different police stations and looked at their... Um, I don't know. I don't want to say like rules or, or whatever their business policies model and that kind. Of, yes, that a lot of them don't. Um, according to this podcast and who they talk to, that police officers, their job, um, technically is they don't have to help people. Tech, like it, it's not written down anywhere from what these and, and I might be wording it wrong from what they said, mm-hmm. but what I that's what I'm remembering. Because there's been they they had two times on there where they talked about this specific time where um, there's these stories on there I won't go into them sure. where at the end um, the person who was asking for help never got it and they ended up dying but then the police officers never got in trouble. Oh, you mean like after after being wounded? Is no, that no, no, about? not or? even that. So, okay. so the the one there was this woman who said um, her ex-husband took her kids and that he was dangerous and they needed to find them and she called the police several times and they never came out to her place 
and then they never and she even said like there he he has them and he's gonna do something and they never did anything and come to find out he killed their kids mm. Mm. and then he went to the police station turned himself in and said the kids are in the truck but they never did anything no and no police officers got in trouble and they found that if they look at policies nowhere and it says that you have to help somebody now it says like yes protect and serve sure. on the side of on that kind of stuff but nowhere where it says they can get in trouble for not helping and a lot of people think that's their job they should be helping people they should always be helping people and doing things but um, this in this particular podcast, it said no. They don't have to do that. So, and it's, I, it's it's hard for me to comment on because I don't know. You know, that's fine. What it, that's but, fair. That's fair. But um, I, I'll find we, it. I find we, it for you to share it with you. We definitely in the particular department that I work for. I mean, it's definitely written in there that uh, that's your job. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, so. Um, and as it was explained to us in the academy that, you know, even if you're like off duty and you see, uh, like life being threatened, essentially, like there, it's a, an exigent circumstance where if you don't, um, intervene, someone's going to get seriously hurt. It's your job to step in. Okay. So, uh, they tell us like when we're off duty, if you see a McDonald's getting robbed or something, call it in. Don't don't try to be Superman and stop some money from being stolen. You see someone that's about to get shot and killed, that's your job to step in. Okay. You know, so and, and I think if you ask any police officer, they would say that. But but now that sure, I, I just looked sure. it up and now I remember that it specifically went to court mm-hmm. and even even court, um, according to here, even court. People, um, the Court of Appeals in this case said that police do not owe a specific duty to provide police services to citizens, hmm. based on the public. Interesting, yeah. And it, but and it blows, but it blows my mind because most cops, just like you, right. if I were to say that to anybody, there's like, no, we're supposed to help. Yeah, that's why we got into this line of work. So and and, and, I, and I think this. Sorry to interrupt you. No, but, you're good. But I think this just points out legally, right? If they don't help you, they won't get in trouble for it. So. I'll play devil's advocate on that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's that way to protect officers from being asked to do things that are almost out of their capabilities. Okay. So let's say an officer tries to help and fails, and then they get sued for not helping the way that people felt like they should have responded. Or... Uh, let's say, you know, in that particular situation, that's a really tough situation. Mm -hmm. So the father of the children has the kids and the mother is making claims, you know, against him, which happens. Oh, I'm sure it happens all the time. Oh my goodness. And and 99.9% of the time it's completely false. Um, so without knowing the situation, hearing the call, things like that, it's really hard to comment on. But mm-hmm. um, it's one of those things where, so like in our department, if a child is missing and they're 13 years or under, we're mandated to stay out until that kid's found. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to call us and say, yeah, they're with the dad, he's driving around somewhere. Uh, he's got them, and he's threatening to do harm to them. 
we're I wouldn't imagine that we're going to pull you know a bunch of units and go searching through the entire city for this car. Uh-huh. It would be like almost like a general broadcast where it's like if you see this car in the area, oh yeah, pull it over. But we don't have the resources to dedicate to like an all out like we got to go find this guy because it's like a needle in a haystack at yeah. that point. Uh, we may go. We may send someone to his house and do like a check the safety, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but that's the other thing too is, let's say let's say a woman calls and says, uh, "My husband has our kids and he's threatening to kill them." I go to the husband's house and knock on the door. All I can do is ask him. Are the kids okay? Can I see them? And then maybe talk to the kids and say, "Hey, are you guys good?" That's it. I don't yeah. have any. I don't have any oh, yeah. legal rights outside of that. I can't go in and take those kids just because their mom, mom said. said this is what he said. Because all he has to do is tell me, "I never said that." Yeah. And then I don't have any legal right to take a kid from his dad. So I'm sure that would look terrible too if if I went to the dude's house and <laughs> yeah. he said, "Nope, we're good." I walked away and then he shot his kids. Yeah. They'd go. Yeah. That's it. That's all that cop did was the mom said he told they straight up told him that he was going to do that. And the cop didn't do anything about it. But I can't just like when I go to, you know, any situation, if I don't have a witness or something like that, I can't take your word over his or Mm -hmm. vice versa. Yeah. Uh, You know, even like an assault or something like that, I have to have like visible injuries and have to be able to determine like. Who did what? They got they got hurt somehow. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But if I go and there's no injuries, I, I pretty much have to just say, I'll put your side of the story in a report. I'll put your side of the story in a report. If you guys want to follow up on it, call a prosecutor. Okay. Go to yeah. court. You know, that's all I can do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't I can't go, well, I like this person more. You know, I believe them more. So you're going to jail. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not what we do, you know? <laughs> And and a lot of people get frustrated with that, and and I get it, yeah. I do. I mean, I I it's something. There are a lot of things I've learned since I've gotten this job. That before I've got I got it, I would have been on the other side of the fence and been like, "Man, cops suck. Oh, like, why yeah. why don't they do anything about?" Some of it's just like we don't have legal right to just do. Your it. hands are tied with certain yeah. things. Yeah. So like a, a a really quick example too, like happens all the time. Um. I paid $60 of this pump and I didn't get any gas and I'm not leaving until I get my money back. I can't go into someone's cash register and be like, give them $60 because essentially if that person is lying, I just aided them in robbing you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or if you say all my stuff is missing, dude just took it. I saw him put it in his truck. You know, he just took it all. All I can do is a report unless I can find the stuff on that guy, you know, because I can't. I can't tell if you're lying or he's lying because I don't. I wasn't there. I don't know. And people get really frustrated with that. They're like, well, what are you guys good for then? Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I always try to flip it on them. I go, you just took $60 out of my pocket. I want it back. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you just took $60 from me. I want it back, and I'm not leaving until I get it. And they go, what are you talking about? I go, see how easy that was for me to say that? I'm not saying you were lying, but I can't just – I can't just take $60 from someone without me knowing, you know, that what happened. Yeah. It's yeah. a civil suit at that point. So it's your, 
I can do a report and I'm more than happy to do that. But it's your job to take measures, take further measures with that company or person or whatever. Yeah. And because at the end of the day, people don't want us to be judge, jury, and executioner unless it benefits them. (laughs) Then they're like, you need to do something. Like, you need to, you know, you need to tell that person they're wrong. You need to go get my stuff. You need to throw them in jail. You need to give them this and, you know, make sure they go to jail for six months. And it's like, that's not what we do, and yeah. that's not what you guys want us to do. I promise. Well, well even if if you know someone did something bad and you arrest them, that's your job. But then at the end of the day, they they go to court. They could get off, right? I tell people all the time. I say, listen, I my job was to come, survey the situation, make a decision, and that's what I did. Yeah. You are being charged. You're not being convicted. You're gonna have your day in court. That's your legal right. I had to make a decision. I'm not saying I always make the right decision, and I'm sure, you know, and and judges know that. Yeah. And but I did to the best of my ability. I made a decision today, and that's just this is where we're at. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I'm not that that that's all we can leave it at. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, Noah, this has been great. Thanks for being so open. Yeah. Um, this it, it made me laugh when we scheduled this because we've been trying to do a podcast for like 15 <laughs> years it feels like right and the one we do has nothing to do with what we planned i mean we had yeah. we had plans man yeah. like everything yeah. it just it just never never happened michigan and, basketball is really good right now <laughs> so i feel like i got robbed of this opportunity but that's okay hey, you know what you know the good thing about this is uh you can come back on and we don't we can talk just about sports well they you better I mean? not they better not lose before then well <laughs> How about they, this? How about if they this? win the national championship, I'm coming back here and I'm just bragging how, how for about a half this? hour. We can, we can. Um, if you say what your favorite is, basketball your favorite sport? You think? Yeah, probably. Okay. I mean, it's it's pretty close between basketball and football, but okay. Um, I've always been a huge basketball fan. All right. Well, let's 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 do this. Let's af- um, before March Madness comes on, which is in a few weeks, I think. Right. We can come on here and just talk about basketball and talk about sports and stuff. Um, even though it's the same person, we would talk about something totally different. And and that will be, I mean, our podcast was was going to be sports. Yeah. You know, that was our thing. And and uh, I think it'll be good. And it'll be uh, something actually that's actually happening. And a lot of times it's just like I'm interviewing you or whatever. Right. This is actually, you know, some go back to the, the original roots of this podcast of sports and, and nerd stuff. Yeah, buddy. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. No, nah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks to Jake Paluski at Real JP Multimedia for producing and providing music for the podcast. Thanks to Melanie at Cuttlefish Graphics for the logo. Thanks to Jackie Durr and the Perrysburg Junior High STEM Lab for the banner and the stickers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And this is the Nerdball Pot. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can do it again. <laughs>